Today on Not Sam Wrestling, all new interviews with the Undisputed Era, the Iconics, and Samoa Joe is back. We're going to dive deep into everything going on with Brie Bella, whether or not she should be in the ring. Is she safe? We'll figure it out. And I got some beefs to settle. It's Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Holy Toledo, here he is. The dog is going crazy. Lila Garrity is going nuts. So for my birthday this year, my parents gave me a mannequin. I know, it's weird. But what more could you possibly expect from the last professional broadcaster at this point? If you guys remember, if you've been listening long enough, if I've, I've mentioned it at various points throughout this thing. My wife gave me a ring-worn gold dust outfit for our wedding. That was my wedding gift. It's a ring-worn gold dust outfit. I've been trying to figure out what era it's from, and I've, I've determined, based on like the look of it, you can tell that it used to have black sequins It's around the, the white area, you know how it's like a white burst at the chest and the back of it. You can tell there used to be black sequins and the coloring of it. It's definitely during his intercontinental title reign. It's that sort of shinier, not that matte uh, uh, substance, but it looks like it's been through the ringer, probably a house show outfit or something like that. But my parents, you know, I got married six years ago at this point, and my parents gave me a mannequin for my birthday because I got this uh, I got this area now, the studio, the Not Sam studio where I can display some of my treasures. And what better way, if you've got a ring-worn gold dust outfit, you're not going to frame that sucker. You got to put it on a person. So they gave me like a six foot five or six foot six mannequin, way bigger than me. So it would fit the Goldust outfit, which I commend them on their researching abilities to make sure that it actually fit this thing. But what I didn't count on is the fact that I would put this mannequin up and my dog would lose her mind. She's convinced that Dustin Runnels himself literally lives in the basement. Goldust is just, according to Lila, the, 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 the Labradoodle, Lila Garrity, who you've heard about from Dalton Castle and various guests here on the Not Sam Wrestling podcast. Uh, according to Lila Garrity, Goldust is standing very still down here in the Not Sam studio at all time. It really, really distresses her. I've I brought her down many times, sniffing the thing. It, it, she won't let up. It, I feel bad because she seems very stressed out about it, but what am I going to do? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. By the way, Chalkline made these series of entrance. You know, Chalkline does the the uh, WWE Fanimation jackets, which are just amazing. Chalkline also produced uh, the Not Sam jacket. There's a Chalkline Not Sam jacket. You can see it. I've posted it on social, but I w- I've worn it uh, in the State of Wrestling videos before. I was wearing it at the live sh- at the live show we did at Caroline's, the Summer Sam show that's up on the YouTube channel. I am getting more made. The only way to get that Not Sam Chalkline jacket is to be a Hall of Fame level patron at patreon.com slash wrestling. If you're a Hall of Fame level Not Sam shill, that's the only way to get one of these amazing Not Sam chalkline jackets. Or if you're the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, then you can get one too. One or the other. I chose uh, the latter. I chose just being the last professional broadcaster. The rest of you can become Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash wrestling. But they made this uh, line of jackets based on entrance gear. They made like Ric Flair robe looking one, a whole bunch of them. 
but they put out a jacket, a chalk line jacket, that looks exactly like the top half of Goldust's jumpsuit that he used to wrestle in. And it's amazing. It's the jacket that I've been waiting for since I was in like sixth grade. And it's now draped over the shoulders of the mannequin wearing the Goldust outfit. Speaking of Patreon, maybe once I get it cleaned up down here, I'm doing some um, some uh, moving and shaking of things. Once I get everything finished down here in the studio, maybe I'll do a video tour for everybody on Patreon. That could be fun. Patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. We got interviews to get to. Before we get to them, there's a couple of things I want to get off my chest. First relates to an interview I aired last week. Last week's podcast was great. Carmella, Shayna Baszler, and uh, 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 Shinsuke Nakamura. All great interviews from the three of those uh, people. Shinsuke and Shayna Baszler I'd actually never had on the podcast before, which I was surprised by, especially in the case of Nakamura. But... Still, really insightful interviews out of all three people. I really enjoyed them. They're popping up on YouTube over the next few days. Carmella's already up there. Of course, if you were, I don't want to harp on it, but if you were a Not Sam Shell on Patreon, you would have gotten to see the interviews the same day the podcast came out, which, of course, will be the case for this week's interviews as well as they always are for the Not Sam Shells at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Uh, but the reason I bring up the interview is because Shayna Baszler, uh, was on the show last week, and and in the intro for the interview, or after the interview, at some point on the podcast, I made reference to the fact that one of the most interesting conversations, part parts of that conversation, was uh, about Ronda Rousey and Shayna uh, motivating her to come to WWE. And the question that I asked her was, "Do you think the success of that you've had in in NXT motivated Ronda Rousey to give WWE a, a serious look?" And she said it wasn't so much the success, it was just that I was having such a good time. She said that, you know, the idea of how much fun I was having in WWE is what made Ronda look at it and say, you know what, I might have fun there too. And I thought that that was, you know, just a a very cool insight and gives you sort of a look at what the relationship, the real-life friendship is between Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. And then she went on to talk about, you know, introducing uh, Jessamine uh, to wrestling and all kinds of stuff and watching... Uh, WWE Network and you and and wrestling matches on YouTube and things like that with the four horse women of MMA and bringing them into the world and I just I loved that part of the conversation. My issue was and I tweeted about it because a couple of you guys and I appreciate it tweeted the link and said that this is totally misleading and the link was from uh, the website the website is called WrestleZone. And it's a website that I used to go to quite a bit for my, you know, dirt sheet information. I still go to all the wrestling rumor websites, but it was uh, it was it was a link, and the title of the link said uh, something. I wish I had it in front of me. I really should have. I really should have been more prepared. Um, let me let me look it up right now because I don't want to misquote uh, what the link said uh, because you might not understand really what the issue is if I misquote it uh, entirely. So they uh, said. Uh, Shayna Baszler, WrestleZone writes the headline, Shayna Baszler believes her success drew Ronda Rousey to pro wrestling. Now, that is a horribly misleading title. Um, It makes Shayna out to be much worse than she is. And it bugged me because, you know, and you can go back since I started doing this, since I started even before the podcast. The podcast has been on now four years. It was October four years ago that I launched this thing. You know, whatever it is, 205 weeks ago. And even before that, when I was just doing wrestling interviews and putting them up on YouTube, I've, for the most part, really, it's always been very important to me 
to not be one of these clickbaity people. Uh, to me, the mark of a successful interview is I think that especially when it's done in this format, when we're talking to wrestlers as a wrestling fan, like I want to be able to have the subject of the interview enjoy it. I want to be able to have the audience, you guys, enjoy it. And if both you and the person I'm interviewing has a good time, then I have a good time. Everybody leaves happy. I think that that's, for me, what makes the best interviews. And that's what the show has always been about. I've never been about uh, gotcha questions. I've never been about clickbaity stuff. I've never been about uh, doing interviews for the purpose of getting headlines. And it's really been to my detriment in some ways. You know, I think long-term, I've benefited from it. But in the short term, like, look, I watch the download numbers. When there are headlines on wrestling rumor websites that come from this podcast, the download numbers go up. When the download numbers go up, the revenue from the advertisements go up. When the headlines go out there, the uh, awareness of Sam Roberts and the Not Sam brand go up. Everything goes up when those links start popping up. But that's not the type of show I want to do. You know, I know that when I'm doing an interview with somebody and I'm starting to sense a gotcha question, you know, honestly, a, a, a few years ago, I did an interview with WrestleZone and I felt like they were asking gotcha questions and I didn't enjoy myself. And I want to avoid that when I'm doing stuff. So, you know, it's been almost to my detriment in a way because if I asked more gotcha questions and I did more clickbaity stuff, I might be able to get more numbers. I might be able to get more, but it, but it's not about that. I feel like I would I would completely lose integrity in what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So when people take my material and they turn it into clickbaity stuff, it gets under my skin. So normally I ignore this stuff. I don't really pay attention to it, but I decided to send a tweet out about it because I was like, this is ridiculous. And I've noticed, quite frankly, recently WrestleZone doing this more and more often. So I got an email from uh, one of the people that's running WrestleZone, um, and I really appreciated it. I thought it was a stand-up thing to do. He apologized for it, and he said he was trying to do less of that and, Bob, and, and trying to correct the mistakes and everything. And I believe him. And I really appreciated the email, and I thought it was a stand-up thing to do, and I was happy to get it. But then at the same time, before SmackDown, I read a headline from WrestleZone that says, you know, Biggie and Sheamus to compete on SmackDown after accusations of bullying on social media. And it's like, what are you talking about? Biggie and Sheamus? Biggie was tweeting Sheamus, but it was clearly, you know, storyline stuff. It was not... You know, when you start saying accusations of bullying on Twitter, in 2018, you know, everybody knows, that's a serious thing. That's a serious accusation. That's something that, that is going to grab headlines, and you're going to click that and go, oh, man, is Sheamus in trouble? And you go, no, it's just something that's setting up a match on SmackDown. It's totally misleading again. So I don't know if WrestleZone changed that. I know that that was published after I talked to... Uh, the person, I won't mention his name because he hasn't, you know, I didn't ask him. But uh, the person who emailed me from WrestleZone uh, and apologized, it, that was after he emailed me. So I don't know if they changed that and he, or he just didn't see it or whatever. But hopefully they're starting to change their ways because I think that that's a big thing. Like in wrestling, that's why wrestling websites get such a bad name because everybody knows that's why, you know, I had this this argument with uh, with, with uh, David uh, Bixenspan on the podcast a few months back 
when I had the great wrestling journalist debate. Um, and the reason why wrestling journalists don't get access and aren't taken seriously and blah, blah, blah is because there's so many people that are doing stuff like that. There's no benefit to it for people in wrestling. It's, it, you know, they don't want to be associated with stuff like that. Um, so I, I wish people would stop. It would make it better for all of us who are fans of the industry if people would just kind of stop doing that. The other beef that I want to settle is uh, I won't mention them either. It's a certain podcast. Let's just say it's a podcast about wrestling figures that some people consider major. Uh, let's just say it's a certain broski who likes iced tea from Long Island and uh, a certain prince of a borough that we'll refer to as Queens that might have a certain streak on a certain Monday night sports entertainment-based TV show. So I got some tweets and I got some texts from people I know that apparently these people decided to go on their podcast and insult my wrestling figure collection. First of all, like, you know, let's not pretend I haven't been doing the wrestling figure collecting thing as long as anybody. Maybe I'm not quite as public as everybody, but like, you know, I'm not a guy who has a collection of Hasbros that's been purchased on eBay, okay? I have a collection of Hasbros that was purchased as a child that I still have, okay? Let me just put that out there, okay? I'm not insulting people's collections and then going out and rebuying WCW vibrating action figures. I don't think in a collector community we should be putting each other down, regardless of how major our podcast is. So I'd just like to say that. I thought it was I thought it was very unkind of of anybody to be insulting my action figure collection. I mean, the nerve of some people. The nerve, right? You don't see me attacking people's chalkline jacket collection, you know? I'd say I'm the last professional broadcaster, but I don't go around attacking other professional broadcasters just because I'm the last one, right? Right? It just seems unkind. And that's all I'll say about it. That's it. Um, and the reason for that is I'm sure you want to hear some of these interviews that I promised you at the very, very top of the show. Uh, I was at the Performance Center. You know this from last week. Uh, down there for WWE 2K19. I'm very excited for the big release of that game. It comes out October 9th. Uh, and uh, they set us up here at Not Sam Wrestling with a bunch of interviews. So thank 2K for giving us the opportunity to share this content with you. We're going to start with the Undisputed Era. And this is great because I, I, I'm, I'm walking around the Performance Center. And there are some people that are there for media. But I look and there's... There's uh, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole and 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 Roddy and, and, and O'Reilly have the NXT Tag Team Championships with them and they're all wearing their merch and they all look like a million bucks. And they said hi and I was like, are you guys doing interviews? And they were like, wow, we have to do a live event so we kind of have to get out of here right away. But yeah, let's do one real quick. For you, Sam, how could we say no? So you know what? I said, let's do it. I sat down for a moment. I had a moment of time with the Undisputed Era. Um, and I, I I haven't talked to them before, recorded, all three of them. Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly wasn't there. I mean, I mean, Bobby Fish wasn't there. But uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong and Adam Cole, all together, all getting to reflect 
on their journey together. We start this week on Not Sam Wrestling with the one, or I guess I was going to say the one and only, and then I was like, but there was three of them. So then I was going to say the three and only, but then I realized there's a fourth member. So I will say the incomparable, the undisputed era. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. It's the 2K19 event. We're in the Performance Center and the undisputed era. The new residents, well, not new, but the current residents of the Performance Center is here. What's the haps, gentlemen? Oh, you know, it's uh, the launch of the biggest game in WWE history, and you have to have... Well, you have us to thank for that. Yeah. (laughs) Is this thing on? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's super super exciting because I'm a I'm a massive video game guy to begin with. Biggest video game fan I've ever seen. Yeah, so so the fact that like we're all in a video game together is pretty surreal and pretty cool. Yeah, and this one we just played it. It's awesome. It's great. We beat up Roman Reigns. Did you have arguments before you got to the WWE and NXT and everything? Did you guys have arguments as to who was going to get here first? Like I don't think that you could sit there and realize that like yeah they just take all of us. No, I mean, that's the ideal situation. Definitely right? did not expect at all that, that we were going to be thrown together in a group. Right. I, I mean, yeah. as it was happening, it was kind of like, oh, cool, we're all going to end up being in the same place. But the last thing I expected was, okay, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong are going to be kind of running chop around here. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Awesome. Yeah. What did you think? So it was very controversial. WWE puts out this list of the top ten factions. No. Yes. People were very mad. We should have been a little higher. I, know, I don't, blame them, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. blame them for being mad. We should have been number one. But I get it. We're just getting started, really, in the we're grand scheme started. of things. It, it is pretty amazing, though, that like you are just getting started. Just to be on the list is cool. And yeah. WWE puts you on the list of, like, well, obviously yeah. the Undisputed Era. Did you guys think to yourselves, like, I don't know if we're top ten, or well, that's exactly where we should be? No, oh, no. That's exactly I, I, I'm really really confident in what this group is and and where we believe we're going so to me it's only a matter of time before we get higher and higher on that list to see it was awesome it was very cool but if anything it was more motivating to to kind of move up that list i was going to say just so extra motivation yep yeah what is the what's the mindset when guys like you who have come from where you've come from see yourself in the game i mean i'm sure there's this minute of like i have to pinch myself i on one level never thought this would happen but on another on another level let's not stop here we just have to keep going and going and going right yeah that's that's the weirdest process about this job especially here is there's so many cool things that happen where you want to kind of sit back and smell the roses and say wow this is awesome but then you're already thinking a mile ahead about what what the next landmark is what the next goal is this is just an example of that and that's the good thing about the group in general i feel just from us being together before and then being here is none of us settle on just one accomplishment it's great it's amazing we can talk about it till we're blue in the face but then we're like what can we do next what can we do next we never uh you know get too comfortable and i think the thing that's one thing that makes us is as good as we are keeps together. us accountable to grow and just to keep improving yeah. and to make the undisputed era continuously the hottest thing in wwe yeah is there a confidence factor that when you guys all know that you've been successful in the business here and outside of here that like you know god forbid anything should happen you know you're not done in wrestling as opposed to somebody that maybe hasn't had that success outside of here who's like no no no, i gotta make sure that i make it here because who knows what happens does that add to confidence or does it never even enter your mind yeah i I think i think subconsciously it definitely does it's not something that i really sit down and think about 
but but just to know, I don't know. I love pro wrestling, sports entertainment, however you want to word it. I love it. It's it's the arm best job in the entire world. Arm wrestling. Arm wrestling. All, all <laughs> wrestling. Uh, so I want to make sure I'm doing this for as long as I possibly can. Obviously, here is where I want to do it. But yeah, there there is a good feeling knowing that that we've been successful outside of here as well as here. It's wild to think that. We were just talking about the other day in class, just like, this is it. This can never end for you if you never really want it to end. Yeah. And the, whatever job it may entail, and that's, uh, you know, this is the obviously the company you want to do it in. You right. want to, and it's amazing that that's uh, in front of us. And a place like this, the Performance Center, you know, there is life after wrestling. We could become coaches or producers or agents. And so it's, it's cool to know yeah. that uh, op- opportunities are there. Yeah, I guess that's that's a that's a lesson from being here that you probably don't know until you get here that this is where you really find out that this isn't a hand to mouth day to day thing. Like this can be a forever business. Sure. Yeah, right. no, you really right. do. That's amazing. What do you go to sleep at night, each of you, thinking about more? Oh my God, look at all that I've accomplished, or oh my God, there's a whole lot more to do. There's a whole lot the, more to yeah, do. Yeah, the latter for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we have so much more we have to do. I, I felt yeah. coming here like I don't know. I don't want to necessarily say closed a chapter ended a chapter but it like kind of uh, opened a new one and I feel like everything I accomplished before was great but like everything I accomplish now is going to be the hardest but the most uh, I'll be able to like I don't know relish in it you know feel more accomplished here because this is a whole new test it's a whole new freaking playing field and it's amazing that who knows what I could do? I've done some great stuff, but I mean, even just a little time with these guys, it's been amazing. It feels like uh, I could do this for another 20 years. <laughs> That's awesome. I can tell you guys are superstars. You know why? You've all got your merch on. You've got your titles with you. I mean, there is no question when you guys walk in there and you're walking together. When you walk yeah. into a room, whether yeah. it's a room full of media, whether it's an arena full of fans, or whether you're walking down the street, it's the undisputed era. It's not some guys who play some people on well, TV. Well, I was just going to say, it's a yeah. very real thing, though. Like, yeah. like, we all talk every day. We all feel the same passion about wrestling the same way. We all eat, sleep, and breathe this. We all believe in this group specifically. So I think that's a big reason it's translated so well, is because people can tell whether it's we're doing interviews backstage or whether we're in the, in the ring together. We we enjoy being around each other. Yeah. So that, that adds a lot the, to that it. That was there before we even came here. Yeah. So These every, babies right here are never more than 10 feet away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the titles go where you go. Well, obvious. Is there a, is there an undisputed era group text? Yes, yes. there is. Okay, yes. people would of want course. to know that. Of people, course, there is. That's yeah. what makes it real. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, that's what makes that's it real. Group, that's man. how you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know it's a real thing. That's right. The group text is alive and well. Well, I'm sure you guys know that. You know, nobody's more happy to see the success that yeah. you're having here than I am. Uh, it's just, it's so much fun. It's so much Thanks, fun. Sam. So. Thanks, and, and congratulations on the game. Yeah, yeah, It's thank amazing. You. Thank you. It's all amazing. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks Sam. Gotta love the Undisputed Era, just like you gotta love being there for live events. The Undisputed Era had to leave the interview to go to a live event. You can go to live events, too, if you've got tickets. The problem is getting tickets online can be far too complicated. There's hundreds of sites, varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why, if you ask me, SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek, one of the most supportive sponsors of Not Sam Wrestling. If you love this podcast, you're going to love SeatGeek, and I would absolutely recommend taking them up on their service. They want to be in business with the Not Sam Wrestling listeners. And here's what they do. They search multiple ticket sites. They grade every ticket based on value. They immediately 
help you identify the best seats that are also going to fit your budget and they guarantee every purchase fully so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, whether you're planning a night out, you need the perfect gift, SeatGeek has you covered. I've got it on my phone. It's the easiest thing in the world to use. They know where I am. They know all the events coming up. If I, I could look for an event, if I just want to go someplace, they're going to hook me up. If there's a specific place I want to go, if I want to get tickets to Survivor Series in Los Angeles, I'll just search for it, Survivor Series. I look for the, 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 uh, 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 the seating chart. It pops right up. They show me the seating chart. They have little bubbles that tell me where seats are available. The bubbles are in different colors. They're graded. I know if I'm getting the best deal. I know if I'm getting the best seat. It's reliable, and you're not going to find better prices on another site because SeatGeek gathers the data from all of those sites anyway. Listen, use SeatGeek. You can trust me on that. If you still think you want to find a better deal, how about I give you another $20 off? That's right. My listeners are going to get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is download the SeatGeek app. You're on your phone anyway. Download the app, enter promo code SAM, and that's it. Promo code SAM, S-A-M, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek! Life's an event. We have the tickets. And now, the Iconics. It's the 2K19 event here at the Performance Center and the Iconics are with me. Iconics, what's the haps? Sam, what's up, buddy? What's going on? <laughs> How are we? We are we're great. We're so good. Uh, I don't know if you just saw, but um, just uh, saw our entrance on 2K19. Time. How did you feel about it? Did they capture it? It was 100%. 100%? 100%. 100%. Not 99.9, 100%. 100%. To a T, as we say. You would say if it was like, ah, 80, 90%, almost, not quite, 100%. 100%. You guys got to be thrilled with that. We are over the moon. It was so surreal. So surreal. They got every mannerism, every color of our hair, our gear, everything, yeah. every movement. Now, have you looked at the solo entrances or just the tandem entrance? No, we just tandem. saw the, the tandem. Word of the day. Wow. Thank you. Thank tandem. you. Yeah, well, I took the SATs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we, we only saw the tandem. Right. Entrance. Right. Are you are you at all concerned that the singles entrances are not going to live up to it? Or do you think that people should not play as singles, only as, as we said earlier, a tandem? How do you feel about that? Well, I feel like our individual entrances will be just as good as our tandem entrance because <laughs> 2K19 is a great game. Right. Let's just put that out yeah. there. Smart. Um, then in your other question, part two, if mm -hmm. I may, uh, <laughs> if you want to play individually as Peyton Royce or Billy Kay, there's only one way to do it. You have to have the other one out there. A company to the ring. Right. You have to have two. It's not one, you get one, you might get the other one. No, no, no. It's both. Right. Or none. Or none. Right. 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 Both. Or none. Right. None. None. Right. Is that, I thought I did okay. I don't know what that was. I was Australian. Never mind. Not Australian. No? Listen, do you ever feel like doing everything together could stunt your growth as individuals? No. No, what? <laughs> you know, just because then you don't really give yourselves the opportunity to find yourselves because you're always kind of bouncing off the other one. We had that opportunity in we NXT did. to find ourselves. 
And I just did not feel like a complete Peyton Royce without my Billy Kay. And vice versa. <laughs> so this is how it should be. This is how it should be, and this is how I always want it to be. Well, I hope it always is this way. When you go out there, you know, when you talk about your entrances, your entrances on SmackDown, most of which are like, you know, the beginning of an entrance, but you kind of talk your way down the aisle. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Basically, yes. Basically. Basically, you talk your way down the aisle. Have there been any of the... Because I think you usually pull them off extremely well. Oh, thank, thank you. you. But it's not an easy thing to do. No. Especially because I feel like there's a lot of people in the audience that are waiting to be like, I hope this doesn't work. Yeah. You know? Do you... Have, have you had instances... When it doesn't work, when, it, when you can feel it not working, what do you do to get it back on track? That's a good question. Thank um, you. I, <laughs> you are <lucky. laughs> um, Oh, I don't think I've ever felt it not work, <laughs> so, to be honest. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Every time we go out there, um, to be honest with you, great. we get the reaction that we're after. Exactly. Right. So if it's booze coming your way, it's oh, like, yep. Love it. <laughs> right. More. Right. Right. <laughs> you, know? you know, I will say that... A hundred percent of the time, I never see you guys get shaken out there. Oh. Like, it's never been this moment of like, uh, like, you're like, no, I know what we're doing. Right. And regardless of what all this is, we're pushing forward. That's the thing, oh. you know? Right. And oftentimes, the, the crowd are very vocal about how much dislike they have towards us. Right. But I feel like, no, 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 no. The Iconics have a message. Yeah. And you're going to hear it. Tonight, right. Whether you want to or not. Exactly. Yeah. We don't care. It doesn't matter if you want to hear it. The point is you have to hear it. Exactly. Because it's for their own good, isn't it? It is. That's the thing. We're just helping right. you grow as human you know? beings by listening to what we have to say. Right. You know, That's all. You're becoming a better person right. by listening to the other. Right. You guys figured it out by finding each other. Right. And realizing you got three quarters of the way, you got three quarters of the way, now you're about 100% of the way. Yes. And you've taken those lessons and you're, you're, you're pushing it forward. Yeah. You're giving it to the people that are out yeah, there. Exactly. We're doing a good thing here. I think so. Yeah. What has been the biggest difference in your lives since moving over to the main roster? Well, there's a lot more travel. Yeah. A lot more travel. Yeah. Where, um, I mean, there was a lot of travel in NXT too, but in NXT you got to sleep in your own bed each night. Most nights. Um, being on the main roster, you don't get that. You don't get but, that. But I, from, I don't know, this is the same for Billy, but we travel together. So I have home with me. Because she's your home. Exactly. And she's your home. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's, it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we travel a lot, but it's easy. The biggest thing for me was um, live TV. Oh, my God. Right. Yes. In NXT. Oh, that's so true. Everything's taped. And we had never done a live Talking so promo, talking, talking to the yeah. ring with microphones. Yeah. First time ever was our debut. I have never been so scared in my whole entire Woo! life. Our debut, we were... And it's not even like you're in like full sale or something. It's like a live TV no. and it's also an arena. Exactly. Audience. And right. this happens to be the first SmackDown Live after, after WrestleMania. And have they been watching NXT? I don't know. Let's find out when you get there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was very nerve-wracking because we hadn't been on TV for... Four months or so. Four months or so with NXT before we debuted. Yeah. So we're just hoping uh, we come out and get some sort of reaction and thank goodness it worked.
worked out. We had yeah. That, that was day. the best day of our lives. So, when do you realize, like, we got this? Is it as the music hits and people are like, oh my God, they're here? And you go, okay, we're good? I think so. That was know? it, yeah. Um, I was so nervous before going out there um, on our debut. Um, but the thing is, as soon as I hear the music and step through the curtain, I just let everything go and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know? And I feel like every time we do go out, seems to be like we always time it so good it's probably about 15 or 20 seconds before our music hits we always look at each other and say i love you yeah. and give each other a hug that is so nice and then our music <laughs> hits so it's kind of like we're nervous we're nervous we're nervous but as soon as that happens we've got we're just other. like okay right even if this whole place turns on us we have home. You, we have, have, home. home you have home so you you never want to get to the place where we're like okay we're going to split up the act we're going to do, you know, we're going to have give you guys a rivalry and then you're going to go your separate no. way. No. Nope. Perish nope. the thought. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Not doing it. Not, not doing it. Not happening. <laughs> we refuse. No, no. Were you, we want to keep being together. When you weren't on TV and NXT for like four months, yeah. is, is that like a kind of like a terrifying thing? Is that an annoying thing? Like how does that feel? Because... It was scary. It was scary. Yeah. Yeah. It took us quite a while to get to that point, and then we were like, oh, please don't forget us. Yeah. Right. Please remember us. But yeah. it was good. We had um, the campaign to keep yeah. us kind of busy, so we had fun with that. For the NXT year um, and awards. Didn't win, but no big deal. Thanks, Oscar. I just win everything. No worries. Vintage <laughs> Oscar. Um, but we had fun with that, and we just tried to stay, um, I guess, relevant, or we just yeah. wanted to just stay uh, seen. Right, just keep some kind of eyes on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when you get to the main roster, I mean, they put a T-shirt out for you guys, like super cool. Oh, you guys wearing that? Oh, is that the? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. So once that happens, you're like, okay, we're we're good, right? I feel like you never. feel like you never feel like, oh, we're good. Like we got this now. You know, I feel like there's always there's always another boundary that we want to push or another first ever that we would love to be a part of so it's it's there's always more to do yeah we never want to be complacent no. okay what are we looking forward to more when we talk about first ever and opportunities for you guys a stadium show in australia or an all women's pay-per-view because it's mean, the same month that's what I was it's, yeah. it's like it's, it's like within weeks of each other right oh my goodness i mean they're so different they are you know the super showdown 100,000 people melbourne 100,000 of your people. Of our yeah. people, of our and, folks. And I mean, theoretically, I hope so. Right. Yeah. You know, because if you get out there and you find out they're not your people, you're like, what have we been doing all this time? Well, yeah. Like, it is such a big show. I feel like people are going to fly in from all over. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. such a big show. But there'll be a lot of local people. Yeah. There's very few people that talk like you guys on television. Right. Yeah. So they'll be like, I like them yeah. because they talk like me. Yeah. I understand what they're saying. I get yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I feel like that show is going to be um, a different emotion for us. Yeah. Being back home, um, we're going to feel very proud. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a different feeling. Whereas Evolution, first ever women's oh, pay-per-view, I feel like that's going to be such a milestone in our careers too so they're just going to be different emotions i think as well evolution feels like such a group effort right um so and to get to be a part of everyone who's involved in the whole show that's super special special. too so i feel like they just have different vibes yeah both so special and amazing october's gonna be great i think it's gonna be amazing (laughs) yeah november we'll see but october is gonna be incredible is it difficult for you because i feel like the iconics can't really show that emotion of like 
oh my god, I can't believe this is happening right. because you've got to be iconic all the right. time. Like, is it difficult for you to hold that back? And like, you know, when you get back, say, or like right before you go out, that's when the I love you happens. When you get back, that's when they're like, oh my god, I can't believe that yeah. happens. Yeah. But I feel like the whole time you're out in front of people, it's like, you can't do that. Yeah, but also when we get out there, we're just, um, we're just being us. So um, even though it might not seem like we're we might be Billy and Peyton, we're still feeling those emotions yeah. inside. Right. Does that make sense? Um, but we're, we we're like let's I mean, once we get to the back, like we're gonna be freaking, <laughs> freaking out, bugging out, <laughs> out yeah. crying our eyes out. I don't oh, care. I know. Right. Yeah. But I feel like I mean I don't know. Just mascara and glitter running everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I. It, that's a, it's going to be such an emotional yeah. feeling walking out. So I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. You guys have never gotten to a place where you're like, you know what, I need a Billy break. I need a Peyton break. Like, I just can't right now. No. On our off day, we spend together. Is we it, don't get many of them. No. I, you just like, but you just finished each other's sentences, but not in character. <laughs> like, you just actually did it. And we don't get many of them. It's like, that's just real life now. That's. I feel like it'd be, I feel like everybody in your lives personal lives must be very intimidated by this relationship because it's like there's there's no replace this is like like best friends in third yeah. grade like in yeah. adult yeah. life and it's so accurate and yeah it's people don't realize how real it is like our mums oh my gosh our mums are like the same people same person it's so weird her mum messages me all the time yeah <laughs> i chats with her on facebook and everything love her right um, our families are entwined as well my dad messages her all the time. She's like, oh, your dad texted me last night. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. It's like they're just... They're so proud of both of us because I feel like they see um, how much... I'm just going to say it. How yeah. much in love we are. You should say that. Because <laughs> we are. Love is a lot of different things, exactly. but it's love. Right. right. 100%. Yeah. Our families see that, yeah, and they know how much we mean to each other, and they know how much our careers and what being here means to us. So they really are just—they're on board, just supportive. Plus, yeah. isn't it nice to see women like just being friends with each other and just being in love with each other, and not being weird and catty and like, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. you know, we you don't build each other up, exactly. right? Right. We gotta go Although, places we have to go together. You tend to just build each other up, right? And then kind of tear everybody down around you. No. <laughs> No, because you're still building. Right. 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 We, we, we get to the positive place. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much, Iconics. Congratulations on being uh, such a big part of 2K19. Have you looked at your entrance with the big head mode? No. Do you I know about the big people, head mode? I saw some people playing that. Wait, I thought you were joking. No, I know. You're about to get like, seriously, that's what, that's what we're ending on. <laughs> like, you can be rude to end the... <laughs> <laughs> no, like the head is like. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's like yeah. the, the head is like half the size of the whole body. It's okay. like massive. Yeah, I want to see the bobblehead. Right. I haven't seen it yet. Plus, I mean, like, if I was being. I don't have any ground to say that anybody has a big head I in real life. I, look you who you're talking people. to. Have you seen my forehead? Yeah. Have you seen my forehead? <laughs> Thank you, Iconics. <laughs> You are, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you so much, and congratulations on everything. Thank you. I just realized putting the Iconics and the Undisputed Era back-to-back, -back, very good timing on my part because they're, like, two of the best groups right now. The Iconics is probably my favorite female group in the WWE, one of my favorite groups in the WWE. I just think what they do on SmackDown is so damn fun. And the Undisputed Era, I mean, when you look at a group 
as far as taking over NXT and just dripping with potential, I think that the Undisputed Era has Shield-level potential. But that's a different conversation for a different time. We have a third guest this week on the podcast. He's back. We heard from him at SummerSlam. Now we go to the Performance Center. And after previewing SummerSlam with him, we're now going to get to the bottom of everything that happened at SummerSlam and after SummerSlam, ladies and gentlemen, Samoa Joe. We are at the Performance Center. It's 2K19 day. Yes, it is. And we're here once again with Samoa Joe. Hey. What's the hap, Samoa Joe? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm good. What's, you didn't. You didn't. You don't have any. Uh, do you have ties, like uh, 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 ties in your heart to the Performance Center? Or did you not really spend a ton of time here when you? I were have in no NXT? ties to this place. You don't. No. This is a foreign environment. This is a foreign environment. This is where they tried to build people to be better than me, and they failed. Every time, huh? Yeah. Every single I, I, There's I, a photo of you actually yeah, back there yeah, in one of the rooms. I shouldn't say that. No, it's, uh, actually, yeah, I do. Uh, it, it was funny. Um, I, I did come down here a lot, both for TV and, and for creative stuff and, and to film. And uh, it's always cool to, to be down here with the new signees. And, uh, you know, they, they bounce stuff off of me and, and uh, you know, ask for ideas and stuff. And it, it's cool. Uh, it's a good environment down here. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, talking to uh, some of the people that were here earlier about who like puts a hand into what characters and everything with just the idea that really when you have a place like this everybody just starts throwing ideas around i had no idea carmella i was like well who like do you credit for blah 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 byron saxton is the name she threw at me and i'm like i don't even think people associate him yeah with with creative but but, but a lot of it is just there's there's uh kind of these open uh brainstorming sessions and and, you know characters and stuff will come out or sometimes you'll say something kind of funny off end and someone be like hey that's kind of that was kind of charismatic of you for once. Uh, maybe we should <laughs> maybe we should actually start doing that. So, yeah. so hey, you came a, across uh, likable and interesting. Yeah, my and goodness, <laughs> I didn't think it was possible. Uh, so did, you kind of go from there. Did you after after everything you had done in in wrestling? Did you was there anything that you came here and started to learn? Like, wow, I thought I was kind of done. I thought I was cooked. Uh, and how little Matt Bloom actually does is that around, right? Yeah, yeah, just just a real tyrant. Uh, storms around now. Uh, but Bloom's awesome, and 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 Sarah, and they uh, they run a very tight ship here and stuff. But I, I think uh, if I picked up anything from here, it was a lot of uh, it was a lot more production stuff, you know, a lot, a lot of more behind the scenes stuff and and ideas about how we film stuff and and and, and what we're looking for. And um, it, it was stuff that I, I had an idea about, but it, it was definitely sharpened here, and, and uh, it's been cool. So the thing that the uh, Undisputed Era guys said too, it's the skills and things that you start to realize like oh there's this is a lifetime business like there's yeah. stuff outside of the ring that i can learn how to do absolutely and, and, and contribute and, 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 and that's kind of a cool thing too here is that they have you know other facilities and they bring in coaches and and people from other uh you know industries and stuff so you can work on those things and, yeah uh, you know i mean i think you've been upstairs you've seen the broadcast booths and the and the uh the promo booths and, and, and everything and uh you know, it's a, it's an endless resource. If you want to come here and and sharpen your skills and sharpen your character, you can definitely do that. It really does. Like, I feel like this place is just the excuse eliminator. Yeah. So it's like it's all here. Yeah. Just use it if you want. Because you don't, don't come. Heard, you know, hey, they just shouldn't give me the support that I needed. And if you don't get in this place, wasn't much to support in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we talked before SummerSlam. Obviously, the last time people loved the interview. They found out Samoa Joe was for you the know, show. You know, this is actually my uh, I've uh, one of the few. I so. I've been under duress when I've done past interviews. I hate to hear that. Yes, uh, not bad duress, but uh, I, I, I had lost bets 
<laughs> and uh, I have we have ridiculous bets, and they're never like the the punishments are never something really cruel. It's just something really awkward that only makes that person laugh. So. Uh, Going back to think of our first interview when we had the whole BDC down there and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I, I had lost, uh, I'd lost in a fighting game tournament. We won't talk about the game. Uh, <laughs> and, and my friend, who's a comedian, a terrible one, by the way, uh-huh. and he'll tell you that he has the worst ten minutes I've ever seen ever. <laughs> uh, he jokingly said, "You know, you should look like a board rapper." Oh my god! In the interview, <laughs> and so the whole time I was on my phone, I was acting like a bored rapper. <laughs> you really were. Which I was going to tell you at the Carolyn's interview, just because uh-huh. it just doesn't come up, and I never think about it. Uh-huh. And at the Carolyn's interview, I remember that he's like, "Oh, how are you doing? Like the live podcast of Sam?" Yeah, he goes, "Can you act like a jilted comic?" And I was like, <laughs> "So I did the whole <laughs> arm on the microphone, glasses, <laughs> and to which I am a hero to these." dumb group of friends that I play games with but right. uh, so the rest of the are like why is he up there acting so <laughs> moody <laughs> that, that makes me feel like even more of a professional but I can I can plow through yeah, whatever yeah. weird no, no, bet yeah. you've yeah. lost yeah. and get an interview out of you <laughs> I like how it always comes back to you <laughs> yeah because it's just like this is about yeah because yeah, he has like serious radio he's like that's a serious radio guy oh yeah that's yeah do it on there <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I love it. I had no idea that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, as I it was funny after I got done, I was like, you know, at some point I should tell Sam, <laughs> not just a jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, you know, he seems really cordial and easy yeah. to get along with off camera. Yeah, off camera. But I'm just, <laughs> I don't real. know what that is. Really clams up on stage. <laughs> when you uh, you had your the match at SummerSlam with AJ, uh, first of all, how'd you feel about it? It was uh, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, when you find out that it's a uh, it's a disqualification, which is like, it's a risk because we've seen good matches end in disqualification. The crowd turns on them. Like, we're at SummerSlam. What do you mean a disqualification? Like, you really have to make it count. And I think you guys did, right? Like, you yeah. guys, the story that you guys oh, and, told. And, 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 and I agree with that, that sentiment. Right. Um, if you're going to, if it's going to go bad, make it go all the way bad. So, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, I think that was kind of the, you know, uh, my thoughts. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it resonated, so I guess I, we're, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> and so you do, but you do think about that. You're like, you know what? If we're going to tell a story that and that goes here at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. like we really have to pay attention to the details on the way there, so that people are on board the whole way. Absolutely. People talk about uh, uh, being afraid of heat. Like there are those that are like, wow, he didn't want to piss people off that much or whatever it is. You don't strike me as that type of person at all. Nope. It's never bothered you. Nope. Is that just because you're you're a tunnel vision guy who's got a job to do and that's it? No, because it's uh, no, because I'm re- reasonably intelligent and I understand uh, my actions are why there's heat. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't look into a fire hose and expect not to get wet. And right. I, I don't uh, act like a a hole on TV and expect not people not to hate me. So uh, yeah, I just uh, it's if, if you're if you're worried about heat uh, and and pissing people off. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't. We should maybe go back to dentist school. It's it's better for you. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what a big part of this business is. Yeah, right? The yeah. money comes in from, yeah. from yeah, being one of, of two people, either the people the people the guy that people hate or the guy that people don't hate. Yeah. And at some point, yeah, you got to be both guys. You got to right? be both guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you find it difficult though? Like you know, people talk about uh, or, or you watch people have difficulty getting booze just because people like them so much and i feel like you're in that camp like everybody if you if you pulled a wrestling fan aside and said you know what do you think about samoa joe people like you 
you know, they like the journey you've been on. They like the work that you do in the ring. They like the promos. They like the interviews. Mm-hmm. Even if you're pretending to be a jilted comic, they like they like the interviews. Very convincing. So- <laughs> I felt very there. Do you do you sit there and go like, okay, how do I convince these guys that I'm a bad guy? No, not at all. Because I mean, l- listen, you people are fickle. <laughs> like, like you're not that complicated of creatures and really it takes one or few of the right place words said in the right way to turn you into complete utter animals I've come to that understanding a long time ago and just know I will continue to use that knowledge throughout the rest of my life <laughs> this isn't wrestling this yeah, is this, yeah this is I mean let's, let's be honest you guys you're, you're not that dedicated to your views as long as somebody pisses you <laughs> off or makes you sad <laughs> Or says something mean, or oh, you're gonna listen. I know these things, and it's not that hard. <laughs> this is where you're a master. Is realizing that if you can tap into people's emotions, yeah, all of a sudden the logic it's just right out the window. It goes out their other ear, and the emotion takes over, and you're oh, like, "Well, I got you now." Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Now we're just <laughs> it's, now, God, it's, it's Godfather, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Speaking of emotions and 2K19, mm-hmm. that is where uh, a lot of people's emotions come out in these video games. Absolutely. You, you talked about uh, being a gamer and, and kind of, but using games to kind of get away from everything. Yep. Uh, does the emotional side in you come out? Are you an angry? Gamer? I'm not an angry. I'm, I'm not uh, an angry gamer. That's we call it an AJ gamer. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> does, he, does he get upset? Oh, he's ridiculous. He's a big child. Uh, Wendy has to bear the brunt of that. Apparently, poor, poor woman. By the way, struggling so hard to keep that family together I've in heard. this difficult, difficult time. I've heard. Um, so yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, I'm uh, you know, hey, listen, the, the the games are made to be enjoyed and, and for enjoyment. So uh, I try not to take them too seriously, though we do have a very competitive streak when it comes to certain fighting games backstage. So is that why you're able to not be emotional about? because you just win yeah that's the secret secret isn't it win 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 no matter what yeah the, the games are only going to make you happy if yeah. you just keep just victories just victories you know victories non-stop well well i hope for victories non-stop for you i know in you your do life, sam you know, know you do, and i don't mean and again we're not talking about wrestling we're talking about no, life. life okay i want life victories yeah. for you wherever you go i appreciate that i and appreciate that i appreciate you giving me the time uh samoa joe and, yeah and hey well you know when they force me i try to do my best yeah, to accommodate them it's really uh not much you could do as long as those uh, checks no, cash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to cash, right? Yeah, we're good. We're, we're good. good. We're good. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. <laughs> Here is Sam Roberts. So there you have it, the end of our big six interviews from the WWE Performance Center over the course of the last two weeks here on the podcast. Samoa Joe, the Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, and of course, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong of the Undisputed Era. Thank you to all six of those ladies and gentlemen. I thought that uh, another great uh, set of interviews. Of course, the first set you're going to be able to find on YouTube. This set, if you want to watch the videos, you can watch them immediately if you're a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling or they'll be up on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsam within a week or two. We got a lot to talk about on the state of wrestling this week. Of course, we're going to dig deep into the uh, Brie Bella situation. I can't believe the amount of heat well, I don't know if I can't. I, it's a super complicated issue, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dissect it uh, on uh, on on the state of wrestling this week because it's really it dominated in my mind. I mean, looking at like wrestling Twitter and everything, it really dominated conversation this week. So we'll get into it. Um, 
you know, I, 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 I am anxious. It's interesting, you know, because of my relationship with WWE, it becomes more and more difficult to, well, it's not that it's difficult. It's just like, do I want to deal with it? When it, when it comes to tweeting the live shows, I don't know if you guys noticed, but sometimes I, I get into a string of it, but then other times I don't really do it. And I'll tell you, when I'm watching WWE, I'm also show prepping. You know, I do the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts morning show on Sirius XM every morning. So generally speaking, I'm watching WWE and I'm getting all my notes together for the next day's morning show. So a lot of times I can't tweet and do my show prep and watch Raw or SmackDown. So sometimes it's that. But other times it's like, you know, I'm not going to sit there. Like, I'm a wrestling fan. So if there's stuff I like, stuff I like, I'm not going to sit there and nitpick stuff I don't like on Twitter. That's not, it's not really, to me, the best use of my time. But, you know, I want to, like, write about stuff that I like. But it, it feels like there's a bunch of people on Twitter that think that anytime I like something... I'm just doing it because, you know, I'm on WWE's payroll, which is, I mean, pretty ridiculous, right? Like, at this point in my life, I don't need to uh, uh, tweet to try to impress people. Like, I'm not sitting there. It's just weird. Like, I, Sirius XM is the label that pays me. But Sirius XM, you know, it's my, that's my day job. Like, that's my employer. And I'm not sitting there, like, I'm tweeting about Jim and Sam's show, and I'm not sitting there getting accused of, like, oh, well, you're just tweeting about Sirius because you work for them. I'm like, no, I subscribed to Sirius before I worked for them. I think it's a great company. Yeah, right. You know, if you go through my, my tweets, my, w, my social media presence, it's always been pro-WWE. Because I'm a pro-WWE person. The reason why I started the podcast, regardless of working for them or not working for them, the reason that I started the podcast was because I'm a WWE fan, unapologetically. So the podcast had been around for, you know, almost three years by the time I worked for WWE, at least two years. So, you know, I don't, I don't know how the math adds up on that, but I guess it's a, uh, it's a fun and convenient narrative. It doesn't really, not that it, it, it bothers me, it's just something that now... I think about, I also think that Twitter is just kind of a different place. You know, a few years ago, it used to be one of those things where it was just a spot where you could go out and, and, and spout your opinion off or send a joke out or whatever. Twitter is a much more angry, divisive uh, place than it ever has been before. And there's far less benefit to Twitter than ever in the history of the internet. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not... A hundred percent sure. I guess it, it's great to be able to communicate with fans, right? Like I like getting feedback from you guys. I love waking up on Thursday morning and seeing tweets from you guys that are listening to the podcast. Like I, I, I love hearing from people that enjoy the podcast, that enjoy the radio show, that I, that, you know, that that are fans of that. But you know, the amount of people that are just waiting for you to say something stupid on Twitter, it, it almost gets to a point where you're like, uh. I feel like I just should do my talking on the podcast. So that's generally what I tend to do. I feel like I just, like, I'll watch something on Raw, and whether I like it or don't like it, I'll be like, I could tweet about it, but I don't know if I can get it into, you know, 200 characters or whatever it is. Maybe I just wait until the state of wrestling. So I make a little note on my phone. Maybe I just wait until the podcast, and I'll get it out of my system then. So that's what I am going to do right now. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is here on Not Sam Wrestling. It is time to get it off my chest, I'm going to get my notes out on my phone. I'm going to see what the top five stories are this week in the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yes, it is. Welcome to the state 
of wrestling here on Not Sam Wrestling. Of course, if you're listening to this, so you know what we do every single week. Go down the top five stories, according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, uh, in the world of wrestling and sports entertainment. And if you're watching this, I appreciate you being a Not Sam shill. Of course, the exclusive place to get the State of Wrestling segment on video each and every week is only on Patreon for the Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash Wrestling. You can watch along, and the State of Wrestling videos, they're not just there for a day, for a week. They stay up there forever. So enjoy them if you're a Not Sam Shill. On the indie darling level or above, it's going to get unlocked for you forever. It's an amazing, amazing deal. So watch along with us. Story number five this week is Lana... And what happened in Milwaukee? You know, I love SmackDown right now. The storytelling that's going on on SmackDown is, it's so good. Like, the, the segments are unpredictable. You know, we'll talk about a, a few different things that happened on SmackDown this week, so I don't want to go over the entire show. But from the way the show ended, quite frankly, from the way the show began to the way the show ended and what was sprinkled in between, you had everybody... Made to look great. Everybody in that opening segment, you told multiple stories in the opening segment. You had Randy Orton look like, looking like a million bucks. You had the show ending on suspense and in a way that maybe people didn't realize it would end with the Samoa Joe and AJ Styles thing. And again, it's the same thing we talked about last week. You end up actually caring about this Samoa Joe, AJ Styles story, which can't be understated. Or overstated. It can be understated, but it can't be overstated. Because it's the third now match between these two for the same title, with the same person going in as champion, at a pay-per-view, and somehow we still care. And the reason is because of the storytelling that's going on, and full credit goes to SmackDown. But people, in a, in a story, if, you, if I told you a year ago... Um, there's going to be like a, a, a soap opera style story going on between Aiden English, Rusev, and Lana. You'd be like, what, on main event? But everybody's talking about it. And that's because we have found reasons to care about all these people. For Rusev and Lana to care again in a way that we probably haven't cared since they first showed up. And Rusev was portrayed as a main event level bad guy with Lana by his side. I mean, you care in a different way. But I mean on that level. Um, Aiden English, we've never cared about this much. Aiden English is prospering in a way that people probably didn't think was going to happen after the vaudevillians or, or vaudevillains uh, broke up and Simon Gotch left the company. Uh, but he is. He is. Aiden English comes out and goes, did you tell everybody what happened in Milwaukee? Oh, no. And then he just left. And Rusev is looking confused. And Lana has this look on her face like, I don't know what he's talking about, but you know that she knows what he's talking about. It was great. Now, there's a lot of theories on the internet about what it could be. Um, one of the good people over at the Squared Circle subreddit broke it broke down what had happened in Milwaukee uh, uh, the last several times that Rusev and Lana were there. Going back to 2015, on March 14th, Rusev wrestled in a triple threat defending the United States Championship against Jack Swagger and Ryback at a live event. Uh, this was mere weeks before Lana provided Rusev with a tank for his WrestleMania entrance. Now, it seems unlikely that anything would have happened on this night because anybody that knows anything about Rusev and Lana know 
the the history of WrestleMania, where John Cena and Rusev went one-on-one, a lot of people thought that that was a bad moment in the history of Rusev because it was kind of when the steam was taken out of his engine. It was when the wind was removed from his sails. It was a build and a build and a build and a build. And then he took on the big hero at WrestleMania. Biggest match that Rusev has had since at all. It's the biggest match in Rusev's career still to this day. And John Cena beat him in a match that a lot of people thought Rusev could have gotten made in, and he wasn't. However, history has shined a new light on that day because instead of even being reminded who the match was with, the history has been told that that day Rusev was made, and that's because he went to WrestleMania on a tank. We don't talk about what the match was. We don't talk about who won the match. We don't talk about anything like that. We don't talk about what happened after that WrestleMania. All we talk about is the fact that there was a tank there, and at the end of the day, Lana is the one that provided the tank. So the fact that on March 14th, only a couple of weeks before Lana was going to provide the tank, they were in Milwaukee, I would say that they were in a very healthy place because the tank was still going to happen. If Lana was doing things behind Rusev's back on March 14th, 2015, we probably would have never had that tank. We go forward a year and change to October 22nd, 2016, where uh, Rusev lost a United States Championship match to Roman Reigns, again at a live event. Lana was there with Rusev. So, uh, you know, I don't think at a live event, Lana would have been sneaking around on Rusev. That's probably... Not true. There is a date between those events, however. An episode of SmackDown taped on July 7th, 2015, where Rusev defeated Fandango. Lana was not with Rusev at this time due to uh, a, an alliance with Summer Rae, and she was not in the building that night. Lana and Rusev were on their break at this time after she had kissed Dolph Ziggler. Furthermore, This was the first night that Rusev was spotted wearing boots after his broken ankle. Injury avoidance or fashion choice? Big question mark. Now, of course, when men change up their fashion, uh, a lot of times it's because a different woman has has given them advice. A lot of women get suspicious when men change up their routines because it makes them feel like there's a a new person influencing their decisions. At the same time, maybe Rusev felt like Lana was slipping away from him and he had to change things up. That also happens. You, you're observant of, of the lady that you're with. You realize that maybe the look that was once in her eyes, the interest that she once showed you is no longer there. So what do you do? You switch things up in order to get her interested once more. Maybe that is what was going on with Lana on that day. I don't think that it was July 7th, 2015, however, because... How would Aiden English know anything about that? What, did Lana, in a moment of confidence, tell Aiden about it? And furthermore, would it be that scandalous if Rusev and Lana were on a break at the time? Maybe the story is that on July 7th, 2015, while Lana and Rusev were on a break, Lana had a brief tryst with Aiden English? That's possible. Out of any of these three possibilities, the July 7th, 2015 day is the most likely because we know they were in Milwaukee. We know she wasn't there with Rusev. She could have ran off with Aiden English because Aiden English was not in the picture yet. He wasn't betraying his friend. 
And maybe they just never wanted to tell Rusev. Who knows? Who knows? Um, some people brought up the old Rock promo where uh, 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 Rock uh, made it sound as though he had had an affair with Lana. Of course, we know a couple of years ago on an episode of Monday Night Raw at the Barclays Center, I was there. I was sitting in the audience. I was there with Noel Foley, as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly. And uh, Rusev was in the ring with Lana. And The Rock came out, surprised everybody. We were shocked uh, and cut a promo on Rusev and Lana. A couple of years later, he showed up as a surprise on Raw. He was going around backstage, and he made it sound like there was an affair that happened between The Rock and Lana. And he brought up the fact that he taught Lana about the Wisconsin wheelbarrow. Now, people are saying Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin— that's got to be it. It's got to be The Rock. Some people are going as far as to say The Rock is rumored to be coming back at SmackDown 1000 next month. If The Rock is there, Wisconsin Wheelbarrow, maybe we're setting something up there. Here's why that's a ridiculous theory. Number one, The Rock isn't coming back for a storyline. Every time there's a rumor of The Rock coming back for one show, people try to uh, uh, fanfic him into a storyline. He's only coming back for the one show. Why weeks in advance... Would they start building a story that they're, that they're going to have to reveal and pay off in one day? Plus, what would Aiden English have to do with any of that? All roads here need to lead back to Aiden English in some way, shape, or form. And if it's The Rock, The Rock is going to be the punchline of this thing. Furthermore, the move is called the Wisconsin Wheelbarrow, right? It didn't happen in Wisconsin. He clearly said that it happened in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is way... I've been to Brooklyn. I don't know if I've ever been to Milwaukee, but I know they're separated by a huge mass of land. Milwaukee and Brooklyn are nowhere near each other. It's called the Wisconsin Wheelbarrow. It didn't happen. Whatever happened between The Rock and Lana, The Rock has said happened in Brooklyn, not in Milwaukee. Therefore, The Rock promo is a red herring. Maybe it will be addressed... On that episode of SmackDown, if The Rock comes out, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin Wheelbarrow, it may get referenced, but that will not be the payoff to the story. All roads are going to have to lead back to Aiden English here. Because realistically, the only reason any of this is even being talked about is because the WWE wants us, the fan, the ticket-buying public, to buy in to a good guy Rusev versus bad guy Aiden English match. They want us to buy in to Rusev versus Aiden English. You're going to have to tell a pretty good story to get us to buy into that. And if the story revolves around The Rock, it's not going to happen. As I said before, all roads need to lead back to Aiden English. Will they? I believe so. If we're looking at a date that has been mentioned so far, the only thing that makes any sense... The March 14th, 2015 date makes no sense. The October 22nd, 2016 date makes no sense because it was a live event. They're not going to, you know, it, that, it just doesn't make any sense. The TV taping on July 7th, 2015 might make some sense because Lana and Rusev were on a break. But again, 2015, that's like three years ago and change. You know, uh, I think more likely it's going to be something that happened a lot more recently. But I'm anxious to find out. And I'm going to tell you something. If the goal is to make me care 
about what's going on in the lives of Aiden English, Rusev, and Lana, you've succeeded. SmackDown, you've succeeded once again. You keep surprising me. You keep making me raise my expectations for you, and you, you, you reach them every single time. It's an amazing time to be a WWE fan, especially a SmackDown fan, especially a Rusev Day, Lana Day, Aiden Day fan. I hope they make those uh, uh, Aiden Day t-shirts. Some part of me wants an Aiden Day t-shirt. You can't even say it. Aiden Day. Rusev Day. Aiden Day. Aiden Day. Aiden Day. You don't even know what you're saying. Say Aiden Day three times. Aiden Day, Aiden Day, Aiden Day. Ooh, Aiden Day, Aiden Day. It, it loses all meaning way quicker than anything. Lana Day. That sounds like holiday. That sounds fun. Happy Lana Day. Hey, I'm not going to work today. Why? It's a Lana Day. Perfect. Rusev Day, that's the OG. That's amazing. Rusev Day is like, yeah, I, I, I want to celebrate. Rusev Day is a specific day. Lana Day is just like any, any, any day that's like a when you wake up in the morning and you feel great, right? You don't feel sick. You don't feel run down. You don't feel tired. It's not one of those days that you wake up and go, oh, I don't even want to get out of bed. One of those days that you wake up and you are ready to conquer the world. But the last place you want to be is at work or school. You're like, you know what? I love today. I need to take a, a dip in Lake Me today. The day that comes that you need to take a dip in Lake You, that's a Lana Day. Not a holiday, a Lana Day. There's many Lana Days throughout the year. Rusev Day is a day dedicated to Rusev. It happens to fall on all of the days on the calendar, but they're all specific days. It is Rusev Day. It is a day we're celebrating that man, Rusev. Aiden Day is just like, a, it's not even a day. Like, you don't, if I said happy Aiden Day, you'd be like, what's Aiden Day? Aiden Day? Aiden Day? You know, it doesn't, it's, it's so hard to say. But there's something catchy about it. It's just, it's so ridiculous. It makes me want a t-shirt. So, happy Aiden Day. Um, everybody out there listening to Not Sam Wrestling right now. Let's go to story number four. Somebody who's not having the greatest Aiden Day of all time is Joey Janela. Um, no updates about Joey. I haven't spoken to him. Uh, he did the podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, right after All In, of course. Uh, that a lot of more eyes got on on Joey. But Joey Janela last weekend had a match against Psychosis. Like Joey is doing this am amazing job over the last couple years, and it, it keeps happening, of just having fantasy dream childhood dream matches like I don't mean dream matches like uh you know Okada versus Omega or anything like that I mean the type of dream matches where like you're a little kid and you're watching Hakushi and you're like one day I want to wrestle Hakushi those are the type of dream matches he's having he wrestled uh the great Sasuke he wrestled Hakushi now he had a match against Psychosis and in the match I mean the video is out there I'm not going to tweet it out because it's gross but uh if you just look up uh Joey uh, Janela knee. You can find it. He took a dive uh, at a show where he's wrestling Psychosis off the top rope onto the floor. He landed it properly. He hit Psychosis. But when he fell, his knee buckled all the way to the outside. It's disgusting to look at. It's really tough. Uh, he hasn't actually said what the injury is. But, I mean, it was clear when you looked at it. It was like that. what just happened is extremely serious. Oh, my God. 
So I don't know exactly what the injury is. He's All he said is that it's super swollen up. He went to the hospital right after he had an MRI. Joey Janela does not have health insurance. I just hope he has enough money in the money drawer that we found out about to take care of all this stuff because the hospital stays are no joke. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a shame because... Joey Janelle is an independent guy. We talked to him on the podcast. He has no money saved up. So, you know, he's wrestling to make a living. So hopefully, after all in and everything, he's put enough money in the drawer to keep himself afloat until he comes back. I have no doubt that if he is out for any length of time, number one, he'll be making videos and stuff like that to remind everybody of who he is. But number two, he's going to be getting himself into shape. He's going to be able... The Joey Janela return is probably going to be one of the biggest things he ever did. It also really makes you realize what wrestling is all about. Joey Janela is a guy who jumped off a roof onto a back of a truck full of barbed wire and fire and light tubes. He jumped off of a ceiling. He did a power bomb off a ladder. He's done all this ridiculous, crazy stuff. And what gets him is just a dive off the top rope. You never know. It's all super dangerous stuff. And you never know what's going what's gonna to get you. And this time it looks like it got Joey. I don't know how long he's out for, but I really hope that it's not a long time. Uh, Joey Janela is on such an amazing wave right now. You hate to see it get interrupted, but you also really hope that when he comes back, it's in the grandest and biggest way possible because Joey Janela, is, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a special talent. He's, he's just the buzz that Joey has been able to build for himself. He's defied a lot of expectations, and I think he's going to continue to defy expectations with this injury. Uh, he's going to come back. He's going to be stronger than ever, and I also hope he's, he, he focuses himself. Not that he's not focused. I just hope that this injury is, is kind of a wake-up call, and when he comes back, he's in the best shape of his life, but also mentally is focused on exactly what his goals are and getting himself to the next level. Because if that kid become super focused on exactly what he wants to do, he's going to get it done. This is a guy who's promoted his own shows. This is a guy who's built a whole universe. I don't even know if he knows it. He's building an entire universe around himself. And if he can keep that focus and put that into exactly what he wants to do in the wrestling business, he's going to be able to succeed. So I hope that he does when he gets back from this injury. Uh, Story number three is another SmackDown story. And that is... Technically, it's over the course of two or three weeks, and we talked to Carmella about it a little bit last week on the podcast, but even if I've said a few things about it before, it bears repeating. The return and rebirth of our truth is story number three. I mean, how amazing has our truth been? Even in that Mixed Match Challenge promo. I don't know if you saw it on Raw, but they did the Mixed Match Challenge promo where they're on cell phones and everything. And it's him and Carmella, who, by the way, love the new hair color, Carmella. You look fabulous. And you know that it pains me to compliment you. So I mean it. Um, but our truth cutting a promo on Carmella for Hell in a Cell. And then going, no, truth, we're gonna we're wrestling against Asuka and Miz. And him going, like, they're going to be at Hell in a Cell, too? Like, just, oh, never breaking. Never breaking. It's just amazing. Um, you know, I know that Miz beat him, and Miz should have beat him, because Miz is about to get in line for a possible championship match if he should beat Daniel Bryan 
which hopefully, honest, I, and I made the case for it last week, hopefully he won't, but go back to last week's State of Wrestling if you want more justification on that. Um, but either way, this road still leads to The Miz eventually being champion, so he should be beating our truth All that said, technically that means The Miz got his TV show back. Miz TV. I think that Miz is so valuable in the ring and cutting promos that he doesn't need to be hosting Miz TV. And Truth TV is about the funniest segment that you've got on SmackDown. It's just sheer entertainment. You got the whole audience chanting Truth TV, Truth TV. This was probably meant to be a one-off, but mark my words, Truth TV is going to become a regular fixture on SmackDown with the reaction that it got. I mean, R-Truth is the only guy that could make those seven-second dance breaks work. People are so sick of dance bits in WWE. From all the dance-offs they've had to all this stuff, fans are just tired of dance stuff going on in WWE altogether. But they loved the seven-second dance break. And Carmella is perfect for it because... Carmella has gone from somebody who would have laughed at our truth to somebody who's buying into our truth. I think Carmella is the only person who could somehow add authenticity to what our truth is doing. She's actually making it seem like she buys into this whole world. Like she does think it's funny, but she also doesn't she doesn't think it's fake. You know what I mean? When the car, the character of Carmella, when you watch her, she it's working. Because she's sitting there believing in what our truth is selling. And it makes us as fans feel okay with buying in to everything our truth is selling, regardless of how ridiculous it is. And I mean, good God, is that guy in good shape? You know, he, he could be 35 years old in that ring. It's amazing the way he looks, the way he moves. I'm just such a fan, and, and I think, you know, we, we go back probably a year or two at this point, and listen to the interview that we did with R-Truth on this show. You can see he's got a great relationship with Vince McMahon, who thinks he's absolutely hilarious. Like it, it's, it's just so nice, because R-Truth was off TV for a while. So the idea that he's back on TV and making the impact that he's making is huge to me. I just, I'm such a fan of everything R-Truth is doing right now, and he adds so much to SmackDown. And that's one of the things that makes SmackDown so special. I think if R-Truth were on Raw, because Raw is a show that is so centered around the stars, Raw is a show that is so centered around Roman Reigns, around Braun Strowman, around this story. Think about it this way. SmackDown is telling, the main story on SmackDown, right, is for the WWE Championship between Samoa Joe and AJ Styles. And I would argue that they've been successful in the Samoa Joe, AJ Styles storytelling. They only spent, what, 12 minutes on it? On SmackDown this week? One segment. You know, they hyped it up throughout the night. But one segment at the very end of the show, and it was an interview segment, and it was Samoa Joe at AJ's house and everything, and it all worked beautifully. But when you think about how much time is spent between The Shield, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, and Braun Strowman, you've probably got a third of the show being spent on those guys. Two different philosophies are now existing on Raw and SmackDown. For me, the SmackDown philosophy is working better, and we'll get into that. But 
one of the reasons it's working better is because it gives people like our truth a chance to really shine. There is no circumstance where our truth is getting 20 minutes on an episode of Raw to be as entertaining as he was on SmackDown. And that's because he's not a proven main event household name the way the guys that they're trying to push on Raw are. Um, you know, other people are getting chances. Dolph Ziggler has gone from somebody who wasn't even in the conversation to one of the top guys on Raw. And I think that's at least in part due to the fact that he and Seth Rollins were having the best matches of the summer. The wrestling quality, to me, the match quality on Raw, it's definitely an argument. I think the match quality on Raw is better than the match quality on SmackDown. You know, that's when you're talking about, like, the revival. You're talking about Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler are probably two of the best wrestlers in the company right now. Dean Ambrose, uh, Drew McIntyre, you know, Braun Strowman, all these guys. There's a lot of guys having really great matches. And Braun Strowman is not having classically great matches. But they're, you know, they're, they're, they're exactly what they should be with Braun Strowman. The Braun Strowman segments are exactly what they should be. So I, I think I, I could make the argument the the matches on Raw are better than the matches on SmackDown. The stories on SmackDown are better than the stories on Raw. The storytelling on SmackDown is better than the storytelling on Raw. The pacing on SmackDown is better than the pacing on Raw. And that is evident in, in the case of R-Truth, where R-Truth had an opportunity and he really, really cashed in. And I just don't think that that opportunity would have been made available on Raw, although... He could have just as easily been a star on Raw as he is on SmackDown right now. Speaking of that, that brings us to story number two, which is the ratings for Raw this week. Now, I'm one of these guys that thinks in 2018, television ratings are, you know, one of many, many categories of success in wrestling. You know, I, I just, you know, the idea that we're even comparing, well, in the Attitude Era, they got this, and now they have that. Nobody, television ratings are not what they used to be. Okay, you have an entire audience. WWE has one of the biggest channels on YouTube. The fact is, you have an entire audience of people that are getting what they want out of Raw by watching clips on YouTube. They put so many clips from Raw on YouTube. Many, many full-fledged WWE fans are getting what they need to get from Raw by watching it on YouTube. And that has nothing to do with the fact that it's three hours and it's too long, the stories are boring, this, that. It's not a negative. It's just the facts. It's the way a lot of people consume entertainment is on YouTube. And instead of WWE running away from that, they're leaning into it. A lot of shows are running away from that because they're want, they want their rating to stay the same because they want their, their uh, uh, advertising rate and their audience on cable to stay the same. WWE is in a unique opportunity in the sense that they know that they are live TV. And there's very few shows left that is required live TV watching. And when you have to watch live TV, it means you don't DVR and fast forward through commercials. So the vast, 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 vast majority of the people that do watch Raw on cable are watching the commercials as well, which is, you know, very, uh, uh, something that is, is very uh, appealing to advertisers. Also, the WWE audience is a passionate, hardcore, loyal audience. So that's going to translate to advertisers. Um, you know, I think that the WWE is smart to lean into this, to lean in to the way people are consuming content. 
right? And I think that that's, that's part of the conversation to have. I think the same way we go, let's look at the TV rating that Raw had this week and compare it with the TV rating that Raw had last week and compare it with the TV rating that Raw had a year ago this time. We should take the YouTube clips from Raw and compare them with the YouTube clips from Raw a week ago and compare them with the YouTube clips from Raw a year ago around this time. Because that's part of it, you know? Raw, WWE purposefully puts out enough clips on YouTube that people who just watch YouTube will be able to keep up with what's going on on Raw. I think a lot of people will watch it and go like, I want to watch the whole show because clearly I'm not getting everything. But if my DVR is, it doesn't work, it malfunctions, if I'm not home and for whatever reason I don't have Raw on DVR, I go on Hulu and I watch the show. It's a 90-minute version on Hulu, so they're cutting out about an hour of the show minus commercials. Then I go on YouTube and I look for the clips of the stuff that I missed from watching Hulu. So that's the other thing you keep in mind. Hulu is available the day after Raw. YouTube is available as Raw goes on. By the third hour, the first hour clips are starting to go up. So, you know, there are people that are watching on Hulu. There are people that are watching on YouTube. There's, there, there's lots of ways to consume this content, whereas less than 10 years ago, there was one way, and that was to turn on your TV and watch. Now, that doesn't take away from the fact that the ratings are lower than they have been. That probably does mean that there are less eyes on it. It doesn't necessarily mean that. The way that you could say that, you know, several years ago, this has a direct correlation. It clearly means that there's less eyes on it. You can't say that anymore in 2018. It does not mean there's less eyes on it 100%. It means there could be less eyes on it, but we need to analyze all the facts before we actually say that. Now, I think there is a possibility that there's less eyes on it, and I think that Raw does need to make improvements. I don't think it uh, has uh, as much to do... Some people think it's Roman Reigns. Oh, it's too much with Roman Reigns and blah, blah, blah. Some people are blaming, ah, oh, they keep putting the Bellas on, blah, blah, blah. You know, the storylines are tired, blah, blah, blah. It's none of that. It's what we talked about last week. It's the fact that Raw is a predictable show. To me, I believe that you would see interest in Raw spike. Interest in Raw would go up if you were doing a show where you didn't quite know what was going to happen next. Anybody that's watched Raw for as long as I have, or even not as long, if you're a regular viewer of Raw, you know exactly how the show is going to go. You can set your watch to it. You know what the intro segment is going to be like. You know you're going to get into a match that's longish for the second part of the show. You know you're going to get into another match. You know there's going to be a behind-the-scenes backstage promo. You know we're going to start the second hour with either a pr another promo or a, a main event caliber match that's really just going to set up. You know, you know you're going to get uh, somebody on the level of the Authors of Pain or the Revival halfway through the second hour. You know the third hour is where you're going to see your Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, if that segment is advertised. You know, okay, you know, you can, you can when they go like, uh, tonight on Raw, Ronda Rousey is going to face Alexa Bliss, you know. But coming up next, this is going to happen. And you go, okay, next this is going to happen. That means to start the 10 o'clock hour, Ronda Rousey is going to have her match. Or, okay, that means that's the main event of the night. They'll go like, you know, Ronda Rousey's in action tonight, plus your main event is Baron Corbin, blah, blah, blah. Okay, Ronda Rousey's wrestling it at uh, 9.55, going into 10 o'clock. Right around 10.45 is when we're going to start the Baron Corbin match. Got it. 
I'll set my watch to it or I'll decide right now whether I want to watch or whether I don't want to watch. You know, whereas if you're watching SmackDown, I had the same experience this week that I had last week, which was I'm looking at the clock going, I don't know what, what what's happening next. Oh, contract signing to end the show. Is that going to I don't exactly know. Like the whole time you're watching SmackDown, you don't quite know what's going to happen next. And I think that Raw needs a lot more of that in their show. And I think that's where you'd see results in ratings too. You know, I think it has everything to do with the way the show is formatted and the fact that it's become very predictable. That's my opinion on the major problem with Raw right now. Way too predictable. Speaking of Raw and problems on it, the number one story of the week, Liv Morgan gets a concussion. Liv Morgan, who I absolutely adore, um, was concussed on Raw this week. It was a pretty gruesome shot uh, to watch it. I ended up rewinding it because, you know, I might have been looking down at my computer. I saw the GIFs. I was watching the show. I rewound it so I could see it all in context. Of course, there is the weird moment where you see Liv Morgan at ringside, and then Michael Cole says, Liv Morgan is backstage. Clearly, Michael Cole is not an idiot who doesn't who doesn't think to himself, you just saw Liv Morgan right there. Let me lie about it. I believe he was instructed to say that. That's my personal opinion. As a fan, you watch that, you analyze it. Michael Cole was probably instructed to say that because a lot of people were wondering what the hell was that. But... Brie Bella is kicking Liv Morgan. She's doing the yes kicks. Uh, at one point, it looks like she catches her. This is this is the way I took it. Brie Bella is kicking, kicking, kicking. I thought at one moment it looked like she caught her. It forced Liv to kind of duck her head down in a way that was almost like, ow, you know? So she, she tucks her chin a little bit, at which point Brie Bella swings back, kicks her, lands square in the head, and uh, Liv Morgan loses consciousness. Liv Morgan, uh, she slumps down on the ground. She clearly gets knocked out. Uh, Brie Bella has to kind of, while the match is still going, uh, shake her out of her state that she's in and kind of drag her to the corner so that she can tag out. Um, some people were like, why wouldn't they stop the match? But if it's a tag match, I don't think that's necessary. I think you pull the, the participant out of the match, but if it's a tag match, you know... I don't think you have to stop the match at that point. That just, you know, that unless you, it just draws attention to the wrong things that are going on. But the big thing that people were talking about is the fact that Brie Bella, in a lot of people's opinions, shouldn't be wrestling, is reckless. She did this. She's horrible. She keeps messing up, blah, blah, blah. Now, a couple of things at play here. Um, the one side is Brie Bella is reckless. She's completely, you know, she, she doesn't belong in a ring. There's been multiple incidents of this. She's now kicked somebody in the head and concussed him. It looked like she kicked her twice. This is wrong. Get her out of the ring altogether. The other side is saying, this is wrestling accidents happen, blah, blah, blah. Now, here is how I feel about the matter. I do believe that a lot of the people that are being critical of Brie Bella are not acknowledging the fact that accidents happen, okay? Owen Hart you would call one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Nearly paralyzed Steve Austin. F injured Steve Austin so badly that Austin ended up ending his career several years earlier than he probably would have because of the neck injury he suffered at Owen Hart's carelessness at an accident that happened at Owen Hart's hands. Seth Rollins... Injured Finn Balor, took him out for a year in a move that completely took Finn Balor off course. 
then, only a few months later, ended Sting's career prematurely, using the exact same move. He also knocked John Cena's nose from one side of his face to another with that big knee and then made a t-shirt about it. You know, D'Lo Brown paralyzed Draws, Darren Drozdoff, after a powerbomb gone wrong. Undertaker, one of the most respected guys ever, chokeslammed Mankind through a cell. The cell was not supposed to break, but the chokeslam broke it. Back body dropped Shawn Michaels onto a coffin, injuring Shawn Michaels to the extent that his career would be interrupted for about four years. Okay? These things happen. Undertaker is still one of the greatest of all time. Doesn't deserve blame for that stuff. Seth Rollins, to me, in my opinion, the best wrestler in WWE today. Doesn't deserve blame for it. Owen Hart clearly doesn't deserve blame for it because mistakes happen, and this is the world that we're in. In Japan, look, it wasn't that long ago that Asuka was in NXT. Asuka was in a match with Emma at a live event. I distinctly remember watching the video. It was everywhere. The match had to be ended early because Asuka kicked Emma in the head and knocked her unconscious. Nobody was saying Asuka shouldn't be in NXT. Everybody was saying Asuka is the real deal. Asuka is legit. This is strong style. There's many people in Japan that are kicking each other in the face for real because it's strong style, because it's whatever, and they're respected for it, you know? Now, so I think that that's got to be taken into consideration, and that's not being talked about. Now, there's this theory that wrestling fans don't get to have an opinion on wrestling because we've never been in the ring. That's ridiculous. That's not true. I would say that if a wrestler tells you something, you know, wrestlers are going to have a built-in bias. I have a built-in bias, right? Because I like Brie Bella, because I, I, I work at WWE. I know I've interviewed the Bellas many times. I have a cordial relationship with them. I have a built-in bias because I want to see them do well. But we all have built-in biases. You, if you don't like Brie Bella, may have a built-in bias because you don't like the Bella Twins because you didn't like the Divas division at all. A lot of people have a built-in bias against the Bellas. So the biases are there. And it's okay. We just have to acknowledge when our bias exists. I am slightly biased in the favor of Brie Bella. I used to walk around with a Brie Mode t-shirt to every event that I went to. There is a bias built in with me. But to the people that are vehemently and venomously anti-Brie Bella, there is a bias on the other side against her that you walked in with. When you found out the Bella Twins were coming back, not you, but you. Some of you out there, not true for. Others of you out there, I know there were a lot of people that when the Bella Twins came back, people were like, I don't want to see them back. I don't like the Bella Twins. I like the new women wrestlers. I like the new female WWE superstars. The women's evolution is what I like, not the older women. Which isn't fair because the Bella Twins, Nikki especially, completely changed their styles in order to fit into this new style of women's wrestling completely went back to school trained heavy became more athletic became more fierce became legitimate superstars in my opinion and they belong where they're at um 
there is a difference between Owen Hart and Undertaker and people that and and D'Lo Brown and all these people and Brie Bella. And the difference is that Brie has had multiple incidents since she came back. Brie, her her, her first night back on Raw, those two dives outside the ring, it looked like she was going to break her neck. It made you feel like she shouldn't be doing those moves. In the mixed tag, it looked like she was going to really badly hurt Zelina Vega. And it looked at times like Zelina Vega, who is a great wrestler, was lucky that she was so good because she was able to get both of them through that. And then you've got this night on Raw. Over the course of a very short period of time, Brie Bella has racked up several mistakes. And I believe that that a lot of this has to do with ring rust. A lot of this has to do with maybe some insecurity that she has because she keeps making mistakes. And with every mistake that she has, more insecurity mounts and you end up making more mistakes when you're not confident. I think that that's part of it. And part of it is, you know, I don't think she should be doing Daniel Bryan's moveset. By the way, Daniel Bryan has kicked people in the head before. Daniel Bryan has had multiple concussions during matches. Daniel Bryan was bleeding from the head because Sheamus headbutted him so hard, right? These things happen. You can't sit here and vilify Brie Bella because she gave Liv Morgan a concussion. It's not the first concussion. It won't be the last one. The Rock is looked at as the greatest w- one of the greatest WWE superstars of all time. Some people say he's the greatest. He hit poor Mick Foley in the head, head with a chair full force like 12 times in one match unnecessarily that's reckless go back and watch royal rumble 99 you want to see reckless watch the rock one of the greatest of all time cave mankind's skull in legitimately to the point where at one point mick foley is feeding the rock his back and the rock walks around mick foley so he can hit him on the top of the head that's reckless what brie bella was doing she made a mistake There's a difference between being reckless and making a mistake. There's a difference between being somebody who's careless and being somebody who made a mistake. Okay? I think Brie deserves more forgiveness than she's getting. But I think that we also need to acknowledge that she's made a bunch of mistakes. And her skill set maybe isn't the skill set that should be doing Daniel Bryan's moves. That doesn't mean she should be out of a ring altogether. It just means maybe the kicks, the dives, all this stuff, not for her. Daniel Bryan is an amazingly skilled athlete, right? He's trained to work in the style that he works in for many, many years, for decades now. You know, and he trains every day. Maybe that's not what Bree should be doing. Maybe Bree should be doing something else. You know, and that, that's what I think, that, that we need to take another look at at, at what Brie is doing in the ring and change it up a little bit. But I also think that we need to acknowledge the fact that there's a huge fan backlash against Brie Bella right now. And I think that the WWE should take advantage of that backlash. I think that this is the time that the WWE sets up the stable that I've been talking about. I think that Alexa Bliss befriends Brie Bella and Nikki Bella And they talk about how the fans have been so mean and they talk about what the fans are saying and they talk about Twitter and everything. And then I think Alexa Bliss, Alicia Fox, and the reason Alexa Bliss is part of this group is because I want her to stay a bad guy. 
I think Alexa Bliss, Alicia Fox, Mickey James, the Bella Twins, and then maybe on the side, a little Maurice, a little Maria Kanellis should reform the Divas division. And I think that these five women with two on the side, so maybe seven, should come forward and challenge the women's evolution and sit there and say, Charlotte, everybody's saying you're the greatest woman of all time. You're not. The Divas were better. And I think there should be a heel faction of Divas and call themselves Divas and be heels and advocate for that butterfly title coming back and talk about the fact that the women's evolution has made it seem like the Divas uh, uh, era was really bad for women when in fact it wasn't. They were role models. They were athletes. They were blah, blah, blah. And that is your motivation as a heel. That's what I think you should do. Again, you talk about WWE leaning into the YouTube culture. Lean into the backlash. I know that the, the Bellas are real-life baby faces. I know that they've got this business empire and everything. Turn them into heels. Turn them into heels and have them become advocates for the Divas division. Why not? Everybody sees it anyway. That's what I would do. You know? Make it so that it, it, it it's, it's like people don't look at them the same way they look at like there's there's the generation that started with the four horsewomen of NXT Becky, Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey. From that from there forward, that's the real women's evolution to me. Everybody that came before that is kind of div at, at least divas kind of trail off if not full on divas division. So, get the people who didn't go through the NXT system, get them together. With Alexa Bliss. I think Alexa Bliss is important because Alexa Bliss adds credibility, Alexa Bliss adds wins, and Alexa Bliss gets to stay a heel and bring back the divas. Hashtag bring back the divas. And you know why you hashtag bring back the divas? Because they'd be awesome bad guys for all of us to boo. Thank you for joining us this week on Not Sam Wrestling and the State of Wrestling. Don't forget to become a Not Sam shill. Uh, over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. And we will see you next week right here on, you guessed it, Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.